Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church is rather empty today. And uh, God willing, this time will pass quickly. So we pray that God will have mercy on us, that our elected officials will grant that we can worship in greater fullness. Last month was the estate sale for my neighbor, Alan. Alan passed away about a year and a half ago. Uh, Alan had been in our neighborhood for decades. We live in Cedar Hills, and that neighborhood has a lot of people that have been living there for decades. And Alan was uh, a man who lived his whole life by himself. He had a nice, well-kept yard, and he was a very friendly fellow, um, very personable. I only went over to his house a couple of times before his passing, and I remember seeing all kinds of different decorations and artwork from his travels to Asia. He was fascinated with Asian art. And he loved his furniture that he had there, his couches. Uh, Alan started to have some heart problems, and he went in for surgery, and then didn't quite recover, and then had another surgery, and eventually kept declining. And it was during this time that I visited him more, and my wife as well. And he, in June of 2019, passed away. I was there at his internment, his placing in the ground at the cemetery. As I said last month was his estate sale. It was strange to see all these people going in, parking in our cul-de-sac and strangers walking into the house, seeing the things that he valued so highly and they were be tre being treated like a garage sale, people going through and buying it for the lowest dollar they could get it at. His family gave to us his Bible because they weren't very religious. He wasn't very religious either. They thought that we would appreciate it. So we have his Bible. Alan's passing made me think, when I'm gone, who will possess the things that I value? How meaningless or how important will those be, things be to the next person? What about the person after that? When will they end up at goodwill? In today's gospel, there's a person who leaves a lot behind. As we heard, he had great crops. And his idea with the crops is, I need to build bigger storehouses to store my crops in. So that he can say to himself, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? We could rightly say that his problem was greed and selfishness. He could have given to those who were in want. And in doing so, he would have done like what St. Basil says, he would have had both a gift and a loan. St. Basil says, if you help a poor person in the name of the Lord, you are making a gift and at the same time granting a loan. You're making a gift because you have no expectation of being reimbursed by that poor person. You're granting a loan because the Lord will settle the account. It is not much that the Lord receives by means of the poor, but he will pay a great deal on their behalf. Quote, those who are kind to the poor lend to the Lord. He's quoting Proverbs there. So the rich man could have done this and received much in heaven. 
Instead, he was greedy. He thought only about himself. He thought these things, he didn't even imagine that these things in any way belonged to anyone else. It's all mine, mine, mine. And he was selfish, only thinking about what his life was going to be like in the years to come as he imagined it. But his fundamental problem was not greed and selfishness. If you hear the gospel again, it's the Lord speaking to him, saying, Fool! The problem is that he forgot he was going to die. Now that may sound very silly. Who forgets they're going to die? It's such an obvious fact of our existence. And yet so often I forget that I'm going to die. The way I live is as though I'm going to live forever. Even though, of course, anyone can come up to, and say to me, hey, you're going to die. And I would say, yes, that's right, I'm going to die. But then I go on living my life as though I'm not going to die. His forgetting his own death is what allowed for him to be greedy and selfish. You see, because he lost his perspective, sin crept in. His fundamental problem was not the greed and the selfishness. It was that he had forgotten his own death. It's like in another parable in the Gospel of Luke about a servant whose master is away. And in this parable, our Lord says, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that house will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. In case we didn't realize that was a parable, the very ending makes it very clear. This is not about stewards in a household. This is about our eternal life. How often do I remember that I am going to die? That servant, just like the man in the gospel reading today, forgot his purpose. His purpose was to take care of the household while the master was away. Do I forget this as well? In the epistle today, it says, You are no longer strangers and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Do I remember this? This is the life in which I am a sojourner because the actual life that I have, an eternal life, I am not a sojourner. That's where I belong. How much do I live as though this side of the grave is all that matters? I act and appear no differently from people who have no faith. I seek after more possessions and worldly gratification, like those around me unaware that I will die soon. What insanity. And it's precisely this insanity that makes me more susceptible to sin. Again, the fundamental problem is that we forget we're going to die. And so because of that, then sin creeps into our life. Elder Philotheos of Paros said, The reason people sin is that they don't remember death as they should. The wise Isaac the Syrian says that the devil attempts in every way to remove the thought of death from a man's mind. He fills man's mind with unprofitable and harmful recollections. 
He will give the whole world to man so long as he doesn't think or remember death and doesn't consider it in depth. We must reflect on how we will die, well or badly, ready or unprepared. All of us who fear death do so because we have not loved God as we should. That's Elder Philotheos. Death is the filter through which we must look at everything in our lives. If I die tomorrow, do I really need so many things? What will that be in eternal life? The things that I have. There'll be nothing. They disappear. They can't come with me to heaven. And so they become other people's possessions. If I die tomorrow, do I still need to bear resentment against people, against my own family members and others? What will that be in eternal life? Well, we do bring that into eternal life. Just as we bring the virtues into eternal life, we bring all of our sin into eternal life. That's who I am, is the person who still bears a resentment. If I die tomorrow, do I need the praise and esteem of co-workers or the titles and accomplishments at work? What will that be in eternal life? Nothing. Another empty position that needs filling. That's what it will be. And someone else will take that job and someone else will take that praise. If I die tomorrow, do I need to hate my political opponents or people who approach COVID in the opposite manner from me? What will that be in eternal life? More division. There is much that we don't bring into eternal life. There's also much that we do bring into eternal life. This is what we call the remembrance of death, pondering on these things. Remembrance of death is living in the present, but not for the present. Remembrance of death is such a constant theme within our church, in the lives of the saints, in the hymns, in the prayers. It's not a morbid fascination with death. It's rather putting things in their proper perspective. I'll use Aesop. Aesop and many other stories and many other cultures have the story of the little animal that is preparing for the winter. And then, of course, the animal that's not preparing for the winter. You can put whatever animals you want in these positions. And we have that story for children, likewise for adults, to remind us, prepare for things. Have your storehouse ready for winter. Such a basic idea. And we as humans have many more things that we prepare for. We prepare for jobs by getting educations. We try to explain to our children why an education matters. We prepare for a job interview. We prepare for our spouse when we meet our spouse. We prepare for our children. We prepare for everything we prepare for except for death. St. Tikhon described the remembrance of death in another way. He said that it's the opposite. Its opposite is forgetting eternity. I've forgotten eternity, so I only live for this life. When we live purely for this life, that's exactly what we're doing. Today we celebrate a saint who's very near and dear to me, St. Yaakovos of Evia, his icon is here. And St. Yaakovos lived very recently, only about 30 years ago he reposed. And he lived on the island of Evia, he was a monastic, an ascetic, but his immense love for people and his humility is what drew people by the thousands. 
seeing God's grace work in a person like this, who was an obscure monk in a, at an obscure monastery, a monastery that no one visited. No one visited. They didn't even go on Sundays for services. He just went there as a young novice, and there were three elderly monks, and the whole thing was derelict. They were, the shepherds were storing their sheep in the monastery premises. By the end of his life, thousands of people are coming to the monastery for his consolation, his love for them. So he lived very much in this life. He offered consolation to people beyond anything they could find elsewhere. And he also had a very strong remembrance of death. There's a beautiful book called The Garden of the Holy Spirit about his life. And in that book it says, St. Iacovos was not afraid of death. On the contrary, he waited for it every moment. Some were puzzled hearing him chanting the funeral service while he was doing some other work. To familiarize himself with death, he also used to lie on the ground, cross his hands, and recite the funeral service. Moreover, in order to help someone spiritually, he would occasionally say, come close, I have a little song to tell you. And he would chant a hymn from the funeral service. How many of us lay on the ground and chant our own funeral? Sounds morbid, doesn't it? We hear of saints who sleep in their coffin and all of this stuff, and we go, why? Why all this morbid focus? However, it's actually our own fear of death that makes St. Yakovos's actions fearful to us, repulsive to us even. It's our own fear of death. What is wrong with it? The idea of thinking, I'm going to die. And when I die, there will be a funeral. And when there's a funeral, these are the hymns that will be sung at that funeral. He was dwelling in the reality of his own impending death, and it did not hinder his life on this earth at all. It made his life on this earth more full and complete. So you might be wondering, what are some of those hymns at the funeral service? I'll read you a few. Weep and with tears lament when with understanding I think on death, and see how in the graves there sleeps the beauty which once for us was fashioned in the image of God, but now is shapeless, ignoble, and bare of all the graces. How strange a thing what this mystery is which concerns us human, why, humans, why we are given up to decay. And another. I looked with attention on the tombs, and I saw the bones therein, which of flesh were naked. And I said, which indeed is he that is king, or which is soldier? Which is the wealthy, which the needy? Which the righteous, or which the sinner? And again, like a blossom that wastes away, and like a dream that passes and is gone, so is every mortal into dust resolved. And one more. Where is the pleasure in life which is unmixed with sorrow? Where the glory which on earth has stood firm and unchanged? All things are weaker than shadow, all more elusive than dreams. Comes one fell stroke, and death in turn prevails over all these vanities. When I have a funeral service, I'm distinctly aware of these hymns and their effect upon the people in the congregation because we don't think about it. So we hear words like those funeral services 
and we go, whoa, what is this? This is reality. Our death will come like that, like a thief in the night. Remembrance of death is not the same thing as fear of death. They're opposites, actually. The fear of death is like a neurotic version of the remembrance of death. It says, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Ah, I don't want to think about it. I'm not ready. It's when we've forgotten about eternity so much of the time, and then smack, something comes along to remind us that we're going to die. St. John Climacus describes what it's like when we only infrequently think about our death. He says, the man who wants to keep in mind the hour of death and God's judgment, and who at the same time gives in to material cares and distractions, is like someone who's trying to swim and clap his hands at the same time. We're all trying to swim and clap our hands at the same time. We're not actually remembering death. We live in a society of clapping swimmers, you could say. This is made abundantly clear by how we as a society have approached the coronavirus. Now understand me, this is not a political statement. When pandemics spread across this country, fear of death rose to the surface. It had been there all along in each of us, even us Orthodox Christians, and it rose right up to the surface. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Keep this away from me. Do everything you can to get this away from me. Protect me at all costs. This is what we all said. And so we all agreed to everything going on. When pandemics spread across the deserts of Egypt more than a millennium ago, the desert ascetics saw it as the hand of God, bringing to himself those whose time was ready and leaving those who needed more time. We do not pick the time of our death. We forget that the time of our death is appointed by God alone. In this time of COVID, we've forgotten that. We must remember, I will not get sick and I will not die but by the will of God. And conversely, I will not be protected from this but by the will of God. My time of death is appointed by God alone. I will never know that time if it's tomorrow or if it's 50 years from now. Yet as long as I'm still living, I can continue to refocus my perspective through a remembrance of death. Remember Elder Philotheos' words. He said the reason people sin is that they don't remember death and that the devil is constantly trying to find ways to us forget about death. Elder Ephraim of Arizona encourages us with these words about our own time of death. He starts by asking, how long will God wait for me? He says, rest assured that as long as God is allowing you to live, it's a guarantee from him that he's waiting for you. You cannot deny God the prerogative to wait for your repentance. Think about that. I keep living because God wants me to repent. And when no more repentance can happen, that's when he'll take me. And we can't deny God that prerogative. It's his choice when we die. With this hope, I'll continue the quote, with this hope and courage in mind, let us approach the majestic throne of God's grace. We have innumerable brilliant examples of people who repented, who were previously living far away from God, but who later returned and were not simply saved, 
but even reached great heights of holiness. The good news is that none of us here in this room are dead. We have time still to remember that we will die. Everything in our life can go through that filter, and that will be the most profound filter protection against sin. What do all these things matter in light of death? Let this be our constant focus, not in a morbid way, but in a constant remembrance, I am going to die. This is a fact of my reality. And in this way, I can begin to do the work that is necessary for my salvation. Because eternity will come quickly, and eternity will be long. That should be our focus. Like the little animals preparing for winter, we have an eternal winter that's a joyful one awaiting us. Why are we not preparing? May this be our goal. May we boldly go before Christ in the same way as St. Yakovos, not afraid of our funeral, not afraid of our death, but allowing those things to inform the rest of this life that God has given us. Amen. Let us all say with our whole song, with our whole